All right, welcome back. Let's talk about the uh, Trans Mountain Pipeline spill. Now, it happened on the weekend, early Saturday morning at the Sumas Pump Station in Abbotsford. The Trans Mountain Company is saying approximately 150,000 liters of oil uh, spilled. They said it set off an alarm when it happened. They immediately shut the pipeline down. They are working to recover the oil that spilled. There is an investigation going on by the Trans Mountain Company, also by the Federal Transportation Safety Board. What does this mean now for this project? I'm already hearing from activists saying, I told you so. This is what we've been warning about. It's time to shut the project down. Others saying that a spill like this is relatively small in the bigger scale of things, and it's no problem. If you talk to some of the uh Indigenous uh, indigenous leaders in our province, particularly the BC, the Union of BC Indian Chiefs, they say this is another reason to shut down the project. Chief Dalton Silver of the Sumas First Nation says his reserves drinking water is under threat from this spill. Let's talk about it now. I've got both sides of it for you. On the line is Sapora Berman, very well-known environmental activist and writer. I'm very pleased to welcome her. Hi, Sapora. Hello. Thanks for doing this. Also on the line is Stuart Muir from ResourceWorks. They support the Trans Mountain Pipeline and other resource projects in our province. Stuart, thanks for coming on. Good morning, Mike and Sapora. Thanks, guys. I appreciate you both being here. Sapora, let me go to your first. Your thoughts on this spill? Well, I, what we're worried about in part is that this is the tip of the iceberg. Uh, you got to remember that when Kinder Morgan sold this pipeline to the federal government, they filed with the NEB many examples of exposed pipes. They had been deferring, they had been uh, having economic troubles for a long time. They'd been deferring a lot of maintenance. They'd been cutting corners. Um, and the fact is, every time there is a spill, of which there have been 90 on this existing pipe, five major ones since 2005, we hear it's no problem. You know, we've got it covered. Um, almost every time, that's not true. There's environmental uh, impacts. We need a third-party investigation of the safety of the existing pipeline, but also the expansion plans, because, quite frankly, the expansion proposal has been a, an economic and an environmental boondoggle that's been a lot more about politics than it has been about good engineering and design. Do you, do you think, though, that this spill, if, if we talk about it on kind of relative terms, I mean, 150,000 liters of oil, so if you picture one, I saw one guy put it this way, said if you picture a volleyball court, you're talking about a depth of three feet. So imagine a volleyball court and three feet of oil on that court. That's how much spilled here. Is that an amount of oil to worry about, Sapporo? Well, it is given where it is, right? So this was not at the tank farm, but it was um, south of Highway 1 uh, on uh, near McDermott Road. None of the media reports, very few at least, are mentioning that this is above the Abbotsford Sumas, Sumas Aquifer. So there are 19 public and city drinking water wells and numerous farm wells. So how much is too much oil and contamination to have in your drinking water? It's also close to the Sumas River habitat for five species of salmon. And, you know, even a little bit of oil. Uh, we've seen the impacts on salmon habitat and salmon populations. Okay, okay Stuart Muir, your thoughts. Yeah, I mean, this is unfortunate. I, I think that the people at the 
the pipeline company are quite distressed by it. It it doesn't look good, and the timing is terrible. But one thing to keep in mind is that this is the existing pipeline, and I don't know of anyone, certainly not the province of British Columbia, that has concerns about the expansion. But there's no one out there saying we oppose the existing pipeline, which has been in service since 1953. It's been continuously upgraded. Um, you know, another way to speak of the volume of this, and you mentioned the volleyball court, which is a good, a good visual. Yeah. It's also about one twentieth the volume in an Olympic-sized swimming pool. So it's not a huge amount. But I think the most important thing is here that it's it it's not leaking into some pristine wilderness. It's actually in a pumping station where it's all prepared for this kind of eventuality. Because more than seventy percent of all the incidents that are, are classified as spills or leaks, have been in these contained areas. You know, just like if you're in your house, you've got a problem with your, your plumbing, it's probably around the toilet or under the kitchen sink, or maybe it's a faucet. You know, it's these mechanical things. And this is a pumping station where that's exactly what happened. A one-inch valve or pipe uh, somehow leaked this out into a contained area that's under very strict management. So the idea that it's you know somehow leaking into into a watershed right now is is so far uh, I haven't seen any evidence of that. Sapora, what well, do you say to that? Well, there's new drone footage um, out, Stuart, which is very concerning. Uh, the drone footage is showing that in fact uh, um, a lot of the oil is um, outside of the contained area in a farmer's field. Um, and has yet uh, to be cleaned up. So I I don't think we know everything we need to know yet about this spill, um, which is why I think there needs to be a third-party investigation um, that is independent, um, both on the spill, on the existing pipeline, because I haven't seen evidence that it's been continuously upgraded. In fact, that was not filed. It, it was the, That's the opposite of what was filed during the sale with the NEB. So I, I think that there's some serious concerns about this existing pipeline, about the spill yeah. and the impacts of the spill, um, and also about the expansion plans. Right. I think we can't forget that the this existing pipeline and the existing tank farm were built a long time ago, and cities and populations have grown up now over top and around them. And so that's one of the reasons that the expansion of the Trans Mountain Pipeline is so dangerous, because it means that new infrastructure has to go in that is feet from schools, feet from people's houses. And, and you know, and it, and it poses a risk and a danger at the exact time in the world when the world is actually moving away from using oil and fossil fuels and dramatically increasing electrification and the dependence on renewable energy instead. Stuart Muir. Yeah, yeah, I think one of the factors we see here is a pretty brisk business with the pipeline. Um, every month of delay, for example, in building the new one, is $100 million in lost sales, lost opportunity. And if you're a resident right now of the lower mainland, you're relying on that existing pipeline to get fuel to you because a lot of our gasoline gets to us that way. As I've said, there's really no one who has an issue with the residents being supplied with fuels or with the export activity that occurs right now. We're actually seeing ships uh, going to Asian ports right now with a lot of the heavier oil. This spill, by the way, was a lighter or medium grade, which is a lucky thing. Trans Mountain existing pipeline is a batchable pipeline. It has different grades, different kinds of fuels that go through it. 
Um, and uh, right. it, it is really an essential piece of infrastructure. I, I think the idea that it needs to be upgraded and safe, as the poor says, is absolutely right. If we look at bridges that go back to the 1950s, those are getting upgraded, viaducts, roads. You know, we expect that to be upgraded all the time. And I think uh, the energy infrastructure is in the same category. We don't really see it because it's under our feet, like we see a bridge, but it still does need to be upgraded. Okay. Okay, Sapora Berman, when, when people who support this pipeline look at this incident, they will say this is a spill that happened in a contained area. It's a relatively small amount of oil. But taking the, the points that you just made ab- about the dangers of a, of a spill like this and the threat of more, is this a kind of an I told you so moment for opponents of the pipeline to say this is what I'm talking about? Is this more evidence to shut the expansion project down in your mind? It is. There are huge risks. And from the very beginning, the scientists have been telling us that if we increase the amount of oil going through um, uh, Vancouver, Burrard Inlet, our harbors, um, that we increase the risk of spills in a marine environment and also on a land environment. And and so, you know, there is no question that, that this existing pipeline needs to be upgraded. No one is saying that we're not going to use oil overnight or that we shouldn't um, be uh, using existing uh, infrastructure and making sure it's safe. The question is, at this moment in history, do we want to expand it? And I think that's why we're hearing, because of the huge risks of the Trans Mountain expansion, that's why we're hearing the city of Vancouver, okay. the city of Burnaby, many Indigenous nations, and hundreds of scientists, um, and of course thousands of people. I mean, 10,000 people marched on Burnaby Mountain last year saying, no, we don't want to do the expansion, but yes, let's make sure the existing pipeline is safe, and then let's plan to wind it down over time as our society moves away from oil. Stuart, what do you say to that? Yeah, I, I think there's there's some you know a variety of aspirations as to what the future holds, and we have to be open minded about that. One one physical fact about the pipeline expansion is that the first spread, the way this works is it's divided into what they call spreads. They don't just build it all at once, and there's about seven spreads. The first one, spread one, is in Edmonton, and that's 70% complete already. So they've already put that, committed that, uh, a, a significant portion of a $12 billion project. So I think the momentum for this to happen is very unlikely to stop. The The important thing we ha- is that we have to make sure it gets done right. We've seen that 14 of the first 15 First Nations in the area where the spill is, they've been through years of consultation on protecting the aquifer, which is not just a uh, health and necessity of life, but it's a, a spiritual value for the, the the Stolo First Nations who are around there, incredibly important to them, and that that must be respected. And the uh, judicial processes that have been used to test this have have shown that the work is being done what, well. What would you say, Stuart, if you had to sum up the the number one strongest argument in favor of the Trans Mountain expansion project? What would you say it is? Like the, well, the best argument for pro- yeah. It, it, you know, I, I would agree with the, the, the Prime Minister on this. It's a national uh, necessity. It's in the national interest. That's what our federal cabinet has decided. The vast majority of our MPs have have uh, aligned themselves with doing this project because they see the necessity and benefits from doing this as long as the environment is protected. Okay, okay, guys, here's what I'll do. I'll jump in there. We'll come back. We'll talk more about this. My guests are Sapora Berman. She's opposed to the expansion of the Trans Mountain Pipeline. Stuart Muir, he supports the project. We saw that spill on the weekend. Uh, now under investigation. All right, welcome back as we continue talking with the Trans Mountain Pipeline Expansion Project, looking at that spill that happened on the weekend. Sapora Berman is my guest, and Stuart Muir, 604-280-9898 is the number to call, star 9898, toll-free in your cell. Let's go to your phone calls right now. Bill on the line in Coquitlam. Hi, Bill. Hey, 
Mike. Uh, Mike and Gus, um, thanks for the opportunity. Sure. I've taken uh, a good hard look at the uh, installation of this new pipeline and what we've had currently in the ground. And the thing that amazes me to this day is that even in the new technology, we're not having the very best of industry standards on the smallest lines, i.e., um, flow valves that automatically shut off electronically any of the smaller large pipes. So we have one inch pipe that broke, and who knows whether it's four hours it pumped out at or 16 hours. It, it can flow at varying levels. anywhere on it except to make sure that we put in nothing but the technological best to ensure that any time there is a rupture at any part of the line, yeah. It automatically shuts off. That's well, I believe that happened in this case. Stuart Muir, uh, looks there like was an alarm. C- control center um, picked up on it quite quickly. The exact time, I don't know, but we know how much volume leaked. And it's a pipeline that moves 300,000 or is capable of moving 300,000 barrels a day. It leaked between, what, 900 and 1,100 barrels. So uh, that could be as the little com- as, you know, a, f- a few minutes to maybe a few hours the company said in a news release on on the week. And by the way, I'm going to have I got Ian Anderson from the Trans Mountain Company coming on later, and he can go into more detail on this. But the company said in a news release on the weekend that they received an alarm early in the morning and then immediately shut the pipeline down as the investigation began. Sapora, your th- do you have any thoughts on that about how quickly they responded to this? I don't think we know. Um, because we don't know exactly uh, when the alarm o- went off compared to when they shut it down, and there's different accounts coming out. And, you know, and I think listening to Ian and seeing the press release from the company um, is a bit like the fox watching the henhouse. That's why we need uh, an independent investigation, because if you look at the previous record, I mean, let's be clear. These companies consistently uh, underplay um, these spills, and there's been a number of spills that have had significant impacts uh, in the community. And at the beginning, the first announcement is it always, we've got this covered. Okay, there is an independent investigation going on. The Transportation Safety Board is involved there. Let's go to David on the line in White Rock. Hey, David. Hey, good morning, Mike. How are you? I'm good. Go ahead. So, so um, uh, my former job was BC Hydro. I okay, yeah, terrible, with- terrible phone connection there. Um, I'll get Amir, see if he can clean that up, and then maybe you can try him again. In the meantime, let's go to um, Steve in Delta. Okay, Steve. Hey, guys. I, though I look at it in a couple of ways. Of course, they have to be responsible, but they're replacing an old pipeline, so chances are the old pipeline will rupture. So it, it's going to be an upgrade. It's going to be less stress on the old one. And Sephora said, you know, 10,000 people showed up. But there's, you know, 4 million people in B.C., so, you know, let's put it in perspective. People who want the pipeline don't go on a protest, so we have to look at the silent majority also once in a while. And the pipeline is going through areas where it's a doubled-up pipeline. So, you know... Of course, they have to do better, and they have to prevent spills. But, you know, we can't live with a 50-year-old pipeline, and we can't live with all this oil sitting in Alberta and, and you know, let all the terrible terrible dictators sell all their oil around the world. At least we should do that. And I know Sapporo will think that's a lame excuse, but it is a fact. Sapporo, what do you say to him? Um, well, first of all, I, I don't think it is. Um, I, I So a couple of things here. One is that 
If they were replacing the old pipeline, it would be a different conversation. They are not. They have explicitly said they are not. They're expanding the network, expanding it with a new pipeline that will go beside the old pipeline, and they still, in some cases, not just beside, but in some cases beside, you're correct, and, and so that they will have two pipelines. And, right. and so, you know, I think it's a, it would be a very different conversation if the conversation was, look, we've got an old pipeline and we need to replace it. No, they're expanding it. And what the expansion means is that it facilitates significant expansion of the oil sands at a time when we have rock-bottom prices. No major analyst globally is, is, is expecting $80 price. And, and yet that's the price that this project okay. is predicated on. Okay, Stuart, we just got a minute left. Stuart Muir, go ahead. Yeah, I think the economics of this one are solid, and Canada needs market access. A lot of other countries, Russia can build a pipeline to China. The U.S. has got a vast world market. It already accesses through its ports. Canada right now is bereft of the ability to get its oil to the highest value markets, and that's what this is about. And as we go through COVID, we're racking up the debt. We need jobs. This is going to be one of the things that helps us to do that safely, environmentally soundly over a long period of time okay thank you very much to both of you for being on the show today i really appreciate it thank you for the calls on the open line as well my thanks to sapora berman she is an environmental activist and writer opposed to the trans mountain pipeline expansion project Stuart muir from resource works